Welcome to episode 356 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. And this week, it's a fun one because this is basically the Rocklahoma preview episode. It's not 100% Rocklahoma preview because we've got Sam Morris, the lead vocalist and bass player of the Midnight Devils here. And, you know, we do a full-on interview about the new album and everything the band's got going on. But we do talk a lot about Rocklahoma because they are playing this year and they've played a few times in the past. And there's some great stories about the fact that, you know, they met their drummer, Jimmy, at Rocklahoma. And it was mere moments after they had done their first interview with Thunder Underground in 2016. We talk about that and how Jimmy has became, you know, a full-fledged member of this great hard rock trio. If you're not familiar with the Midnight Devils, you know, it's just a fun rock and roll party. We're going to talk about that with Sam, and we've also got an interview with Doug Burgess. Doug gave me a call, and we talked a bit about, you know, just a little bit about his stage this year. Doug has been on here multiple times and has talked in detail about how, you know, the setup goes, the process, everything that he has going on with Rock Loma and DEB concerts. You need to check out these past episodes because they're more, you know, it's more informative than just a Rocklahoma preview for, say, 2021 or 2019. It's a good, you know, look into what Doug does. This interview, this time around, is a little bit quicker, but, you know, we just wanted to chat a bit and, you know, get a little bit out here for this episode right before Rocklahoma. But before we get into both of those episodes, I got to let you know who my sponsors are. And one of those, would be DB Concerts, and I'm not going to talk about that like I normally do, because I'm going to talk about it here in a bit. But we've got Sunset Tattoo. It's a tattoo shop located right here in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done, get them proper. They're state licensed. Most importantly, they are mother approved. 25 plus years of experience. If you call or message ahead of time, you can set up a time, get an appointment to go in there and talk about what work you want to have done. If you've already got something ready to go, Jake accepts walk-ins. But sure, you know, it's better if you schedule this stuff, I'm sure he would appreciate that. If you go to his socials, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, on both Facebook and Instagram, there's tons of pictures of all his work. He does great at many different styles. I've got a tattoo done by him that I'm really happy with. I'm looking forward to getting another one soon. I know many other people that have as well. So give Jake a call. And talk about what you need to have done from Sunset Tattoo and let them know you heard about him here. And a side note, Jake was uh, in a scene on the new episode of Reservation Dogs. Last week's episode, Season 2, Episode 5. So, if you're from this area and you're familiar with Jake from his, not just his Sunset Tattoo, but his downtown lounge days, check out that episode and check out Jake. All right, we've also got MedFarm, a dispenser located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51, right off the highway. Can't miss them. They've got a drive through which most dispensaries don't. Makes it easy. If you call, email, or text ahead your order, you can go right through that drive through and pick it up and be on your way. But you can also go through the drive through and place an order there. You can, of course, also go in the store. You can check out their selection ahead of time at leafly.com. It's a big selection. Follow them on all their socials because they're always running great specials. Weekly stuff. 
It is MedFarm on Facebook. That's P-H-A-R-M. MedFarmOK on Instagram. Their website is MedFarmOK.com. If you go in there and you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. That's very cool. That's ongoing all the time. Something else that is ongoing all the time. 30% of their profits go to build no-kill animal shelters. They are cannabis with a cause. There's tons and tons of dispensaries you can choose from around here. But this place, even though it's in Southeast Broken Air, you can get to it from anywhere in Tulsa within 15-20 minutes. And a third of what you're spending is going to build no-kill animal shelters. That's, you know, that's extremely admirable because most businesses don't put a third of their profits 100% of the time to go to a worthy cause like this. So, a huge deal for Med Farm. Get out there, check them out, and of course, mention Thunder Underground. Alright, so Rocklahoma is mere days away. This episode's dropping Tuesday morning, and Rocklahoma officially kicks off Thursday for the pre-party. Well, I guess technically, officially, it's Friday. The only way you can go to the pre-party is if you have a full weekend pass. But this is the 15th annual Rocklahoma. Well, I guess it's not technically can't say 15th annual, can you, since there was a break there. But anyway, this is the 15th Rocklahoma, starting in 2007 to now. I have been fortunate enough to attend every single one of them. The last few I've been working, and I'll be working at this one as well, so I haven't been able to see every single band I'd want to see, but I still get the opportunity to see a couple of them here and there. This year, number one on my list was Doro. But in case you hadn't seen, Doro was replaced a few weeks ago. This is something that Doug talks about in the interview coming up with Slaughter. And Slaughter is great. I love them as well. But I was really excited about Doro because I never had the chance to see her. So that was going to be cool. But hopefully that time will come one day. Number one on my list now is Suicidal Tendencies. I have had the Opportunity to see them a couple times in the past, so but I'm really looking forward to it because it's been a long time. And there's several other great bands I love, several bands I don't care about. This is something I talked about in right after the lineup was announced. I'm not, you know, on a personal level, I'm not real big on this lineup as a whole. But that doesn't really mean anything because when you look at it, you look at the bands on the bill, I think it's a pretty solid lineup for, you know, the mainstream audience. I always enjoyed that Rocklahoma would throw in you know, some retro acts or some kind of curveballs, like when I say curveballs, I guess it's been a while since I did that with headliners, but they'd have like, you know, Chicken Foot or ZZ Top, White Snake, Scorpion, stuff like that, that isn't typical on your, the standard American rock festival. They've kind of shied away from that in the last couple of years outside of the bands that Doug books. So, you know, we got to, for those of us that are still fans of the, you know, the 80s rock, you know, we got to appreciate the fact that Doug's still at least bringing a few of those. But, you know, Rocklahoma would always throw in like, you know, Tom Kiefer or Jackal, Rat, um, Extreme, stuff like that throughout the years on the main stage. But, you know, Doug is, you know, now on the Roadhouse stage has brought people like Ace Freely. You know, he played, he hadn't played at Rocklahoma since the second year. Lita Ford, he brought her back. Just lots of great acts. And then last year, he talks about this as well. Last year, he brought in Puddle of Mud as one of the four headliners on his stage. And this year, he has Lit. So he's kind of got the 
you know, at least three nights of the the 80s style bands. And then the Sunday night is going to be, I mean, now Lit or Puddle of Mud could also be considered retro or nostalgia because, you know, their kind of heyday was like 10 years, 20 years ago, which is weird to say. But, you know, he's got, he's going to have a band like that on Sunday. And he said he's kind of looking forward to doing that as well. But anyway, I'm going to jump into this real quick and just kind of give you a quick preview of like what I'm, I don't know why it matters what I'm looking forward to, but you know, just kind of run down here real quick. Thursday night at the pre-party, it's going to kick off at 7 p.m. with One Night Stand. They're a band out of Tulsa that's fairly new, been around less than a year, but they've got a lot of seasoned veterans in their band. The vocalist Thad Timothy has been on this podcast a few times because he's the vocalist for Severmind, and Severmind is the official, how do I word this, the official every 100 episode band of Thunder Underground. They were on episode, they've been on here other times as well, but they're on episode 100. So then we made them on episode 200 and then again on 300. And here we are 44 episodes away from 400. And I'm pretty positive they'll be back unless something crazy happens between them where they break up and none of them wants to do an interview or they all collectively decide they do not like me. Who knows? But my guess is they'll be here on episode 400. Tom Green is also the drummer in this band. You know, he was the owner of IDL, where Doug did a ton of his great shows. You know, so that was always sad to see that go, but glad to see Tom back out there active in the music scene again as a performer. You know, he had the band Ultra Fix many, many moons ago. They had the opportunity to see several times, so glad to see him back out. They're going to kick it off, and then following, right following them will be Enough is Enough. You know, we're getting right into the the notable acts from the 80s. And then Count 77 features Danny Coker. And then that the night will be capped off by Van Halen, who, as you could guess, if you're not familiar with him, is a Van Halen tribute. So that's a pretty strong lineup of, you know, four bands. You get a little bit different styles with each of them. So looking forward to Thursday night. And then just going into uh, Friday Let's see, what do we got? Doug's stage. Man, this thing's so small. I'm getting old, it's hard to see. Like before. And then Wild Street. They've played Rock Lum a few times, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's been a while. You know, another great retro band that isn't a retro style band that isn't technically a retro band. You know, they're a modern, a modern day melodic rock band. And followed by them will be the Normandies, the greatest punk band in this region of the country. I said it. If you have not seen the Normandies live, go do it. I don't care if you don't like punk. If you go see them live and you don't have a good time, there's something wrong with your soul. Then this stage will also feature Widow 7. I've got them saved. I had that marked and I was going to listen to them because I saw several people on Facebook talking about them. So I'm going to check that out. And then Slaughter will cap off Doug's stage on Friday. Slaughter's always great live. Mark Slaughter has been on this podcast before. And that was a fun one. He's actually been on here a couple times. The Renegade stage, which is the side stage at Rocklahoma, on Friday will feature Bad Omens, Dropout Kings, and Under Oath. And in the main stage will feature, let's see here, Dorothy. I completely forgot Dorothy was on this build. Dorothy, I'm a huge fan of Dorothy's first album. The second album is still good, but she kind of shifted towards the more mainstream rock kind of hellstorm sound 
which I get it, but that first, man, I'm sure, you know, obviously, I'm sure they still do this stuff live, but, you know, it was just kind of something fresh, you know, but it, so if you haven't heard that first Dorothy, I'm checked it out. Bad Wolves, they've got a new vocalist, you know, from everything I've seen, he's not a whiny bitch, so they've at least got that going for him now, but no, I, I shouldn't have said that on here, but a member of Bad Wolves has been on this podcast before, and it's, I'm trying to remember how long, that's been quite a while now, probably three or four years ago, Doc Coyle was on here right whenever Bad Wolves was taken off. He's also in God Forbid, who is reuniting at Blue Ridge Rock Fest next week. And I'm going to do, I'm going to be at that show work and I'm going to do everything I can to get a chance to see God Forbid. Jelly Roll. Three Days Grace. is Shine Down. Shine Down will be the headliner that night. And I talked recently about how much I love their new album. How shocked I was about how much I loved it. Because I've always liked Shine Down. Their first few albums, I think, are killer. And then the last, like, two or three, I just kind of lost touch with it. Because it just seemed too... It's not bad, but it just kind of lost whatever I loved about the original ones. Or the first few, I think. But this this new one's kind of a concept album. And it's just... It's just great across the board. You know, it's got the heavy stuff. It's got the... The ballads, you know, are themed to this, you know, the Planet Zero concept. And it's just a, it's just a great album. I mean, it's absolutely just blew me away about how much I liked it. So, Shine Down this year at Rocklahoma. This will be their second time there. Saturday, Doug Stage will feature Killer Hearts, American Maid, Paralandra, Even in Death, and then highlighted, highlighted, good lord, headlined by Quiet Riot. Quiet Right. Rudy Sarzo is back in the band. He's been back for a bit. And Johnny Kelly is on drums. The drummer from one of my favorite bands of all time. Typo Negative. The, se- the second stage on Saturday will feature uh, Suicidal Tendencies, Skillet, and Seether. Skillet, the lead vocalist. John Cooper was on this podcast earlier this year. So if you missed that one, check it out. The main stage will feature Sleep Token, Pale, Pale, I always have a problem saying this, Pale, Royale, Royale, it's like two words that are a pain in the ass to say together in my opinion. Nothing more. Great live band. In this moment, Evanescence, and headlined by Corn. Corn is always a great show. And then the final day, Sunday, Doug Stage at the Roadhouse will feature Dead Forever, Pulse. Sin of Saints, The Midnight Devils. There you go. Check them out. You're going to hear more about that in just a bit. And in headline by Lit. You remember Lit, My Own Worst Enemy? The Renegade Stage that day will feature Fire from the Gods. That's a good band. I actually had a scheduled interview with the lead vocalist of that band about a year or so ago. And I can't remember why it ended up not happening. The Hue will be also returning to Rocklahoma for the second year in a row. This band's unbelievable live. So get over there and see them live if you have not. And that stage will be headlined by Cypress Hill. And Cypress Hill is a band that, back in the 90s, during their heyday, I did not like them at all. I like rap music, but I did not like Cypress Hill at all. And that song, Rock Superstar, I think is absolutely one of the worst songs I've ever heard. But I'm saying all this to tell you that in 2015, I was at Riot Fest in Chicago. And I wasn't even trying to see them, but I walked by their stage that they were playing on to go to another stage. And I just kind of stopped for a minute and I watched it 
and I end up standing there for like 15 or 20 minutes because I'll be damned if they weren't great. So that goes to tell you, people, even if you don't like a band, check them out live. Bush is another one. I never liked Bush. I still don't like their music. But you see them live, they're a great live band. Cypress Hill is the same way to me. I don't ever really ever listen to them, but check them out live. All right, and then the main stage on that day will feature Black Veil Brides, Motionless and White, Ice Nine Kills, Megadeth, and Five Finger Death Punch. While Megadeth is in here with a bunch of bands with a bunch of words in their names. But I will say this, Megadeth is the only band on that stage that I would go see that day. But that's just a personal thing. Motionless and White's all right, and I've seen them before. I'm not a fan of any of the other ones, but, and I have seen a couple of them live, so going off of what I just said, not being a hypocrite, but anyway, let's quit talking about that. Midnight Devils, like I said, go on Sunday. I believe it was 2.30, and let me see if I still have this pulled up. Yeah, they go on stage at 2.30. Fantastic live band. Their new album is rockin'. Their previous album album before that came out a few years ago is great as well but we talk about that in this interview that this one's got a bit of a hardest harder edge like sam said he thinks it's a little more focused it's a great album people so check this out the midnight devils are out of omaha nebraska they're all over the place now they were a part of the glam slam metal jam with enough is enough and pretty boy floyd a few months or the I think it just ended in the past month, and it was a couple months or so. And then they've got the second leg of that coming up here in the fall. So be on the lookout for that. I just saw that they announced at least one show with Loudness next spring. So that's something else to check out. You know, they're touring all the time. This is one of those bands that is relentless, in my opinion. You know, they're always playing. I see, you know, they're always all over the place. And it's just a great thing to see. And you you talk to him. These guys are super personable. You know, they're all about rock and roll and the fans. And, like, it's just it's just cool from the get-go. The first time that Jason and I had him on was 2016. We talk about that. And they, I mentioned that already, that they ended up meeting their drummer, Jimmy, right after they did the interview with us. And then he joined later on. And... We had them back on again in 2017. I looked this up because it's longer ago than we thought. Because me and Sam were talking about it and we said, what, 2019 or 18? It was actually 2017 in the summer. So we have now been five years since Sam has been on this podcast. But since then, Chris Heinlein, the guitarist, was on this podcast in 2020. He was a part of the mega huge Eddie Van Halen tribute episode. I believe that was 292 and he you know cuz he's a that's his favorite guitarist he's a mega Eddie Van Halen fan and we had 14 guests on that episode it was like three and a half hours long it's probably my proudest accomplishment of this podcast and Chris is on there so he's been on here since then but it's glad it's good to have Sam back to talk about everything that's going on so let's jump into this here's Sam Spade Morris of the Midnight Devils
great to talk to you, man. It's been a while. You too. Yeah, it's been a long damn time, actually. <laughs> Since I guess probably Rocklahoma and you guys played Rocklahoma 2019, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the last time. Yeah, it was, and we, I think we talked to, like right before then. We probably did the podcast right before that. Yeah. So cool. Cool, man. Great to have three, you back. Three years. Right. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're getting close to Rocklahoma again, so that's good. Yeah, and uh, we're on it, man. Uh, it's excited. It's like our big, our big return. You know. Yeah. Return to the home, the home grounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> Kind of jumping into the what you've got going on. I mean, never beg for it. You know, it's been out about a month. I absolutely love this. I think to me, this has a real kind of live feel to it. When you listen to it, it sounds really like you guys do when you're live. Was that kind of intentional or that just the way it happened? Uh, it, it both actually. Uh, like a lot of the songs we did, we recorded them in a live setting where uh, we we're all together playing the songs while Jimmy did the drums, like while they recorded the drums. So yeah, it was definitely like a. Uh, as much as close as we could get to all of us being in the same room we we're in the same the same house jimmy was just kind of separated from us okay but it was all done at chip's house and uh we we recorded the demos in omaha and then shipped them off to chicago and then went to chip's house and uh basically he's just like he sat there on his couch he's like all right play the songs let's go i'm like <laughs> oh this this is insane so he's got a studio built in his house yeah kind of he's got a, a control like one of his rooms is a control room and then in, in the basement he's got like a, a little studio a drum studio and everything we just got uh we just we shipped out from omaha for a week and just laid everything down and, and kind of went back and forth to do like the the solos and the the lead vocals and stuff like that but it was it was great man like in ship's house we just hung out night after night talking hanging out having a good time donnie v even showed up one time uh, for the the recording of highway 69 it was it was wild man like uh, i never in my wildest dreams would have thought it happened wow i actually had donnie v on the podcast about a year ago and it seems like they're back talking but it's like they still have that little bit of dissension going as well so it's kind of yeah. cool to hear that that's something that happens you know it, it's like i i think they're, they're either they're friends they're brothers and that nothing nothing will ever change that and uh, it just just kind of weird the way it all is going down. But I, I think Chip's band is is one of the best bands that I've seen right now, and they're they're hot as hell. They got that new record, the new Beatles record out, and I, I'm really happy for them, and happy that they they get to do they get a tour all over the place, you know. And I don't know if that would be a possibility with with Donnie and the Van. I'm not you know an expert at this at those relationships, but right sending the demos to him beforehand did he like give you input before you guys showed up or how did that process go no no nothing he gave us nothing we he's just like uh we set the date or and and we had the, the songs we had 10 songs ready to roll and so we laid them all down at the same studio we, we recorded the first album we went in and did the demos with like a, a session drummer and then shipped them to chicago uh, just as all over quarantine you know so we did it all via email sent all the demos over jimmy learned the songs we showed up we did a quick rehearsal and that was it it was time oh. to go wow one of the things that jumped out to me like from the get-go like the first song like the sound of the music and even the sound of your vocals kind of have a darker feel and edge to them than something bigger did yeah was that like was that some like a just a natural progression or was that also intentional both I, I, absolutely both and i'm glad you noticed that because i it's one of the things that we we had worked on is that 
on something bigger, it seemed like I was, I hadn't really figured out how to uh, push my voice, how to make it distort, how to make, how to scream and all of that. So uh, in, in our live shows, you know, we, we came from playing all these, these places that didn't have monitors. You couldn't hear anything. So you had to scream. And, and when I was on stage as a singer, man, it was just like you were a hundred percent balls to the wall, screaming your head off for, for 45 minutes, 90 minutes. And so we're like, that's the sound we want. How do we get that? but put it down on record. And so we went into the studio thinking we want it to sound, uh, sound a lot like uh, Tame Me Down from Faster Pussycat, sound like uh, Spike from the Choir Boys, like that, that gravelly sound, Ginger from the Wild Hearts. Yeah. So what we, what we did is they, they brought up down like my, my vocals in the, in the headphones when we were laying the tracks down. And they're just like, all right, put everything you got into it and flip that switch to make it sound super gravelly and super, uh, just, just real, almost sleazy sounding, you know, real whiskey bent, just, just gnarly sounding. And the, the sonically we had chip also, you know, was producing the record. And then the guy that mixed and mastered it, his name is Chris Steinmetz from Stonecutter studios. And he was the dude that did, uh, he, he engineered the revenge record, the kiss revenge record. Oh, wow. So we, we kind of knew that we were going to have this really cool, uh, sonic landscape that Chip would create, and then Chris would go in and, and kind of tighten everything up, but make it sound incredible uh, to, and, and fluid. Where I thought the first record was great, it just didn't sound as fluid as this one does. Well, yeah, even besides your vocals, I mean, like Sniper's guitar tone took that darker shift, and he, you know, I've always taken him as more of that kind of melodic guy. So was that something that he was looking to do as well? I think so, and I think that he. Uh, he is, is very influenced, uh, much like all of us, very influenced by what the music that you're listening to currently or, you know, what you're going through in your personal life, what, what is happening, that, that really shapes the sound or the song. So when we were writing those songs, he, a lot of the songs he had were, were heavier songs and you could tell uh, kind of the songs that we collaborated on are the super heavy uh, kind of, the, the, we call them power tracks, the songs that are just no nonsense, just straight ahead power songs. And that's really what a lot of the stuff that he was bringing out were, were these huge riffs, these heavy riffs, these cool guitar sounds. And he used the same exact gear that he always does. He brought all of the, the, the EVH 5150 head on everything all the way to, to Chicago. And, and it's the same exact sound, just, I think, with better production this time. Well, speaking of, you know, the songs, all these songs are fucking great. But the one that really jumped out to me was the trick, you know, from everything, like just the. The, I don't know, just the sound of it, just the chorus, like how it gets like just ingrained in your head. Sniper solo, yeah. everything about this song's fantastic. Like, talk about that a little bit. Sure, that that song was a cool one, and it was maybe one of the first songs that uh, I kind of written uh, for for this record specifically. You know, we had we had a couple songs sitting around that we we hadn't used or we hadn't finished, but this was the first one, and it was the the this whole song is kind of like I wanted to do another song like Memphis Mile. Or bleed, Betty bleed, kind of these boogie woogie songs that that we're, we kind of are known for. You know, we're known for the heavy, the heavy songs of the huge choruses. But we're also known for those ass shaking boogie woogie songs that kind of lend a little bit towards Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis, mixed with our own uh, glam sleaze style. And the trick was a song that Jimmy and I just been we just been killing Motorhead, just been listening to Motorhead like nonstop. And we're like, man, the way that Lemmy crafts his lyrics where he'll take like the first the first line of the, the song and it, the first line will be the same as like the fourth line. 
And it's just the repetitive thing that gets in your head and you like immediately know the song. And I loved how Lemmy does that. I love, I love those songs. And that's kind of where that in inspiration came. The structure of the song was very, very boogie woogie motorhead oriented. Lemmy was in mind and the, the lyrics. I love the lyrics to that song because it's, it's about, uh, you know, about us on tour and everything that happened on that tour uh, kind of gets pictured in that song. Speaking of Lemmy, is that where White Line Fever came from as well? It, it wasn't. <laughs> that was, it, I didn't even know until we had, we had already laid the song down, right? And then I was like, oh, this is a Motorhead song as well. And Chip's, <laughs> like, Chip's like, screw it, bro. It doesn't matter. Put it, keep the name the same. I love it. So, and that was just a song, uh, that was a song that I had written about a lot of people I knew uh, in the in the, the the bar business or in the uh, the industry that you know have their demons and deal with their demons and and you're always constantly flowing in and out of people uh, kind of going through their ups and downs, if you will. You read into that a little bit deeper, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's but that's what it is. I really think a lot of the songs that we have, we we I took a lot of influence from say uh who does it the best is like zz top or acdc how they craft these songs and they say the words but you know that there's a double meaning to them right and so you're always kind of searching for what is that double meaning that he's actually talking about i know what he's talking about he's going to say it in a different way and, and so i thought how can we do that with the midnight devils say what we want to say but without overtly saying it like right Steel Panther says exactly what they're thinking, where <laughs> ACDC kind of creates the story and the listener has to kind of connect the dots. And I love that. Yeah, it's like that scene in Role Models where he's talking about Love Gun. And he's like, yes, this song's about his cock. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I love that. I think that's good songwriting. And that's uh, kind of a way to uh, keep that sleazy factor without overtly saying it. Absolutely. Well, going back to Chips Enough for a minute, like how did this whole like relationship start? Like how did you guys get hooked up with him? Okay, so Chip, uh, Jimmy is from Chicago. Our drummer Jimmy Mess from Chicago. Actually, weird enough, him and Chip lived together for like two years. And if you can even imagine like what that scene would be like, velvet couches, uh, yeah. joints burning around the clock, like uh, the delivery guy nonstop bringing pizza to the house. Like it, it, it just had to be <laughs> insane. And so when we got the band going, it was just kind of a no brainer that we would start doing some shows with Enough's Enough as a Chicago band. Uh, we're, you know, half of us are from Chicago and we're there all the time. We'll start doing shows together. So it's, it's brilliant. And so we formed this really cool friendship with Chip and with Enough's Enough to where, you know, we're very close to those guys and, and we can call them up anytime and just to talk. And I feel like Chips is definitely one of um, one of those guys that uh, mentor is not quite the, the right word, but if I need anything, I can call him or I can pull him aside and talk to him heart to heart. And, uh, he just comes up to us one day and he's like, all right, dudes, I love what you guys got going on. It's, it's time to make a rock and roll record. We're doing it at my house. Uh, next midnight devils record is happening. I'm producing it. And then we're like, this is a great idea. It was a fantastic idea. You know, like yeah. the guy sold a, a truckload of records, got, 30 albums under his belt they've been a band for 40 years like he, he obviously knows what he's doing so uh let's let's take this ride and see what we can obviously he brings a ton of experience to the fold with everything he's done but you know enough's enough so he's had that kind of melodic beatlesque tone to them mm -hmm. like what did he bring to the fold you know for this record since like we talked about it's a little bit harder edged and darker 
Sure. And and what I wish I wish you could have heard the the demos before Chip got a hold of them because they were even even more like rougher around the edge. And what he brought in was he brought that Chicago sound. He brought enough enough. He brought Ario Speedwagon, Cheap Trick, like that that distinctive Chicago sound rubbed off on the Midnight Devils. And you know, with Jimmy being from Chicago, it, it really makes sense to me. And so it brought kind of that uh, that melodic portion to our songs and i think it really added to uh the the grand scale or or the grand picture that we were painting so it was it was and he brought this brilliant songwriting to where he trimmed the fat we lost anything that you know like oh we should put this in there he's like keep it simple this is a great rock and roll record just do what you guys do don't complicate it your current singles working for the weekend. And was this a song that you guys played? Because I know when Midnight Devil started, it was kind of a side project where you played a lot of covers. Yeah. Is this one of those songs you guys played, or is this something new you brought in? It wasn't. We had never played this song before we before this record. And and the good story that they I was I was telling somebody that the other day. I was just like, you know, we kind of we started this band as a two-piece acoustic band playing covers in small town bars in Nebraska and Iowa. And yeah. it was really just to keep us on the road. And now we've kind of grown into this this really interesting, free, creative, uh, as wild as you want to get rock and roll party. And I love that. I love that that freedom of expression. Uh, I think it's so cool. And that we can push these boundaries and these limits. And we have no no kind of container. And it, it it's we're as free as the audience is. And I think that's so cool that uh, that that we have that opportunity working for the weekend was was wasn't even on the table it wasn't even a thought when we started this record when we got to chip's house for that first day he's sitting on his couch the velvet couch smoking this joint he's like all right <laughs> the record company wants they want to cover for your first single and we're like okay i mean we know some covers but uh what are we gonna do like we didn't really plan on doing this he's like come back tomorrow have a cover ready to go we're like <laughs> oh my gosh so we sifted through like a thousand songs driving around in the van in Chicago. And we stop at this hot dog stand to eat dinner and working for the weekend comes on the radio out of nowhere. And we're just like, that's the song. That's the <laughs> one. Well, it, it was like a sign from from heaven up above working for the weekend is going to be the, the single. It's going to be the video. It's easy. It's a no brainer. And Chip, Chip loved it. He's like, brilliant idea. He's already thinking about the next record. So that's the thing. Like, you guys are kind of like looking, I mean, I know that that's probably not even in the cards right now because this just came out, but like looking forward to the next one, working with him again. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, it, it went really well the, this last time and uh, we've, we've gotten more action than, than I, I've ever had before, you know, before than than either, either any of us have had the, the single highway 69 is, is doing great. Uh, we're getting just like 16,000 streams or whatever on Spotify. And I don't know what, you know, hundred percent what that means, but the, the label seems to be happy. We've moved a lot of CDs already, you know, shipped them around the world. So I think it's like, uh, don't, don't mess with, with success. We got a recipe that's working really well and we get along with chips so, so much that I, I just think it's a no brainer. We'd already talked about it. Like once the, the tour ends in, in December, we got to start thinking about doing a new single, a new a new video and more more. Yeah. I think it's there. It's there for the taking. I feel like last time you guys were on the podcast, Jimmy had just kind of became a full-time member not long before that. And like a few years into that, like how do you feel about his part of this trio and like how it's kind of formed into what it is now? 
Uh, Jimmy is, is one of my best friends and, and we've really gotten close over the last few, few years. And I think that, that, that is a very important part of this band is that, uh, the three of us are are, are kind of like our we're all our three best friends, and when we look at it, uh, you know, we look back at it and we go, man, like stuff would happen to one of us, and it would inevitably happen to all three of us at the same time. Like uh, our girlfriend would break up with one of us, you know, would lose our girlfriend, and the next thing you know, all three of us have no girlfriend, and we got nowhere to stay, and we're <laughs> all just kind of scrambling. But I think that's what makes it is is our tight kind of friendship and the way we we interact with one another. I mean, we got to be in a van with each other for, for, you know, 24 hours a day for 20 days straight. And it just like, can you hang? That's what it is. It's like, do you have the hangout ability with these guys? And I think Jimmy is like that, that, that one guy that can kind of kind of adapt to any situation. You know, he's an army veteran as, as well as sniper. And these guys have just been, been through the ringer, but uh, I, I just, I've, I've learned so much about him. And I think he's, he's absolutely what his name says he's a complete and utter mess but he's <laughs> completely rock and roll in that sense is that he's fine with any situation as long as it, it it's uh it's pushing forward and moving forward with the, with rock and roll like he's the guy that'll sleep till uh till it's time to get dressed walk up on stage and play one of the best shows you've ever seen and, and just be compl- I'm just I'm just blown away by it the way he operates and I, I it's cool it's rock and roll and uh it, it his name lends exactly what he is he's just a mess <laughs> but the best drummer i've ever played with i'm telling you that like he's the guy that i never have to look back and see what he's doing i just know that he's going to be in the pocket every night every time yeah and as a bass player that's got to be like really rewarding and like you got to feel great about that i'm sure yeah i i love it because it, it lets me uh so i can just play the bass and i can actually focus on on being the front man of the band so the bass playing almost becomes like a secondary thing to fronting the band, to singing, to leading the crowd, to doing the show that we want to do. So with with the musically, I don't necessarily have to worry so much about playing the bass and, and what if we're on time and, and where the, the breaks are at or who, when he's coming in. I know he's going to come in no matter what. And Sniper is really good about leading that musical side and being kind of the musical director of this band to where I just get to get, go out there and be the front man and be that David Lee Roth, Paul Stanley type of character. That's great. You guys have Rocklahoma coming up in like, just like three weeks and three weeks. If I remember right, isn't that where you guys originally met Jimmy? Yeah, we met him and it was the first time we met you guys. It wasn't long after we, we had walked down to uh, you. Did you have a trailer? Yeah. The first time we interviewed you yeah. guys like 2016, I think it was, yeah. it was in a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. You guys had a trailer and I think we had just walked down to see you guys and we had chatted for a while and then we went back to our our bus and we're hanging out. And I knew Jimmy through Facebook, but we hadn't met yet. And he he kind of walked up onto our bus. He like he's just kicked the door into our bus, walking in, smoking this giant hooter. And he goes, <laughs> "Where's Sam? I want to meet him." And I was sitting in the back of the bus, and and he comes in, and like we were immediately best friends at that point. Really, we we didn't form till a year later. But he was with Profits of Addiction, and we were with 3D in Your Face. But that was when sniper and i met jimmy and we're like okay this is this dude's cool um we liked his band and we liked everything about it and it, it was just like that 2016 i feel was the maybe the last great year of rocklahoma before it kind of changed yeah but so many cool things happened uh in those campgrounds in those those uh outside of the festival it was, that that was like the magic of rocklahoma Speaking on that, I mean, Rocklahoma and you guys recently played at Rockfest, like these lineups are kind of geared towards 
you know, fans of like modern hard rock, radio metal, that kind of thing. Like, do you find it easy to connect with these crowds whenever you're out there? I'm so I, I was going into Rockfest. I was slightly nervous because we were on uh, we were on a stage with uh, Avatar as the headliner. So I'm oh. like, man, we we're similar to Avatar in the fact that of show wise, but musically we cannot be more different. They're super heavy, you know. Right. But the Midnight Devils have always been a band that no matter what what we're we're faced with or who we we're paired with. We can always, uh, you know, usually match really well. We can always fit in. And I think fans are ready for a party. Fans are ready for a show. And the fact that it's kind of new and modern and not, we're not an 80s hair metal band. I, I think that's the, the coolest thing is that we're just a glam rock band. We're a modern glam rock band. So we fit in perfectly with with bands like Dead and all, all these, these cool acts, these new modern acts coming out. We're like right there in the middle of it going, Th these are our friends now you know the, this works and the, the the people out in the audience just ate it up they loved every minute of it because it's new and exciting and uh it's still kind of unpredictable and dangerous and nobody's doing anything like it there's no bands that are going out on stage wearing a prom dress wearing lipstick wearing glitter and just playing great rock and roll that it, it just doesn't happen anymore i think people love it people want it it's different yeah, I think that's a good point because, I mean, since you guys kind of have that grittiness and that harder edge to you that mm -hmm. there's got to be audience members out there that have never listened to that genre of music and like yeah. this might, you know, you know, it, so it it turns them on to something that they really would never listen to probably. Yeah, and it's, it, it, it's not, I always tell people this, so it's like we're not uh, recreating the eighties at all. That's not what our goal is. So we don't sound, I mean, we, we got, we take that influence from Motley Crue and from Def Leppard and all that, but this is new. It's different. And it's, uh, it's different enough to where if we get put on a bill with a death metal bands, punk rock bands, any of this stuff will fit in because it's still, it's still, people can feel the passion and people can feel the fire and the, the excitement. And they go, I don't know what's going to happen, but these three rodeo clowns walking up on stage, it's either going to be terrible or it's going to be really good. Whatever it is, I got to stick around and watch. And then it's like, <laughs> you got to, you, you win them over and, and people just get excited and they go, I know that they're not like those eighties, eighties bands, but I recognize enough to know that what they're doing is cool. And it, it's, it's something that's unique and something that's very freeing creatively. And for the audience, we, you know, it's, it's like the encouragement, no matter who you are, no matter uh, where you come from, no matter what music style you're into, you're going to dig us because the party's right there on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I've always appreciated. Like, especially when you listen to this new album, you can hear stuff like Michael Monroe or the, the Wild yeah, Hearts. Definitely. You also hear like a little bit of poison here and then you hear Motorhead yep. here. So it's kind of like a combination that most people aren't even trying to do, you know? Yep, uh, absolutely. And, and Michael Monroe was a huge... Uh, is still a huge influence and some of those the, those the records that he came out with uh the solo records i'm just like we're, we listen to him non-stop and it rubs off on you ginger and the wild hearts like the, just the, that kind of uh it's it's not necessarily underground but it's uh it's it's more of a european style of rock and roll and and really we're bringing it bringing it our style bringing you putting that u.s flavor on it and i think it's it's cool nobody's doing it it's just straight up straight up rock and roll man and and yeah. that's the exciting thing but being on stage with and being able to to match with with bands like avatar and dead and at these modern metal festivals man it, it's exciting and it, i go we're on to something here we don't have to stick with with just these bands from the 80s 
or the, the guys that came before us. I got so much respect for for Pretty Boy Floyd, for Enough's Enough, for Ingve, all these bands that we toured with. But it's still it's still cool knowing that like we're the next wave coming out, and we're the guys that once Def Leppard and Poison, you know, kind of give up and and retire. Who's coming after that? What's going to happen to these arena rock bands? There's there's not a whole bunch coming back at it. Yeah. Side note, I just had Michael Monroe on the podcast a few weeks ago and I did out of here. I just like, you know, I kept my cool, but I was freaking out <laughs> inside. <laughs> How was he? Was he nice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did it on Zoom video and it was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. We talked for like 30 minutes. It's it's great stuff. That's so cool. I just I, I just got in. What is it? Sensory overdrive. Yeah. I just got it in. I think they released it on vinyl, like a purple vinyl. I just got it in. Okay. And I yeah. just love that. That's the one with Ginger on it. And uh Steve Conti. Yeah. Looking at it right now, I'm just like, man, that yeah. that was one of those records that I was like, this is this is doable. We can do this. Yeah. Yeah. All his like last several albums of this past decade are great. A new one just, that just came out a few months ago. It's fantastic. Yeah, just incredible. What's the, the last one that one man gang? Uh, the newest one just came out like a couple months ago called I Live Too Fast to Die Young. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's but incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. That's so huge. Thank you. But yeah, speaking of Pretty Boy Floyd and Enough's Enough, you guys just did this tour with him recently. Like, talk about how that experience went. Yeah, we did 20 days. Uh, it's called the Glam Slam Metal Jam Tour. And Chip kind of spearheaded this whole thing uh, through our booking agent. And we got to offer and I, I couldn't say yes fast enough. Well, you're gonna put us on tour with enough enough pretty boy floyd 20 days on the east coast uh the first show we did was in uh columbus ohio and the opening night was like 400 people out, out the gate and i was just like this is incredible this is so cool and then to top it all off like pretty boy floyd was riding with us in our van so we got to oh, spend wow. 20 days hanging out with with guys that we'd already known because we'd toured with pretty boy floyd before but not that extensively so we the, the guys in the band I knew and we're friends. They're they're closer to our age, but hanging out with Steve, like uh, a true legend, a rock and roll hero, one of those guys you had you know the poster on your wall, and yeah. then you're sitting in a van with him for 20 days, and you get real comfortable and you become really good friends with these these guys. And man, I just I, I'm telling you, I still text him back and forth. I was just talking to him the other day, just what you can learn. So that's what I like when I'm around those guys. I'm like I'm gonna be a sponge and soak up as much knowledge as I can about uh how how they got to this point so how did enough's enough get to this point how did pretty boy floyd get to this point like what are the, what are the things that they're doing right and that's that i thought that was the coolest thing is becoming friends with them being able to say good morning to steve when we walk out the hotel room every day for 20 days i thought was killer and watching him operate on stage uh watching him operate backstage and and say uh the, hanging out with fans and stuff it's just this cool learning experience and man i took everything i listened took it all in everything that those guys had and and it's just awesome but now it's like we, we go out uh october the second leg of the glam slam metal jam tour kicks off and it's texas through florida and then i believe there's atlanta involved too but we got done with the tour and it's like two days later i couldn't wait to get back and, and get in a van with those guys even though we were so close you know, 20 days in a van, you got, you kind of get cabin fever, if you will. It, it's still like you miss it as soon as it's over. So is the second leg, the same three bands, same three bands. Yeah. Okay. And it's, I think it's uh, not 20 days. It's maybe 15 days uh, through Texas and through 
Florida. And I'm telling you, like, the excitement level was on high. The fans' excitement, that's really the cool thing, is that people would come out and be like, I haven't seen Pretty Boy Floyd in 20 years. I haven't seen enough enough in 20 years. And they'd be there. Uh, You know, as soon as we'd show up into town, they knew that we were going to be there. And people would start showing up, and the, the stories were so good. And I just, I loved it. And uh, I even was grinding Steve about, you know, I'm like, hey, we're out with the choir boys. And they want, uh, Guy Griffin was managed by Bill O'Coin. Or no, he wasn't. It wasn't Bill O'Coin. It was, uh, who was it? Larry, Larry Mazur, who was Kiss's manager through like the 80s. And I go, man, I, I am a huge Kiss fan. I need the stories. And so he'd give me a few stories. And then uh, Steve Summers from Pretty Boy Floyd's like, you know what? Pretty Boy Floyd was uh, managed by Bill LaCoin for for a couple weeks. I go, get out of here, Steve. I need the stories. I need the stories, dude. <laughs> so that's what it, that's what the van trips turned into is just you kind of be telling stories for eight hours at a time, hanging out with your friends. Wow. <laughs> Turn with those two bands. I mean, it makes sense for the sound and everything and gaining new <laughs> fans. But when you mentioned like Dead earlier or Avatar is was your guys goal kind of to get on a band, you know, on a, on a tour with one of those bands to kind of like expose yourself to a more modern audience? I just been talking to somebody about that. And I think that that is the way we're going to go. And we're going to, we're going to definitely push for that. Uh, we love playing with, with those, uh, with the, with our heroes, with opening for our heroes, supporting our heroes, I think is the greatest thing ever, but yeah. it, it, it I feel like there's a stone that we haven't turned over yet in that modern metal scene, in the modern music, because we're new, we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into just being like, Oh, we only play with, uh, you know, hair bands from the eighties. No, that's not true. We want to play with anybody and everybody. So I think that's, that's definitely my next goal is to say, okay, let's, let's put together a tour, not necessarily of uh, older bands or bands that have been around before us through the eighties, Let's put together something that's new and exciting and and kind of maybe uh, maybe it's like three up and coming bands. All, we all tour together because I think that's that's what's missing. And I would had that idea. You remember the the warrant tour that they did? It was uh, the what was that booze? Uh, what was that tour called? It was Warrant Firehouse and Trickster. Yeah, um, it was like the, the blues blue is I can't remember what it was, but I go. That's what we need to be doing is we need all three we need three up and coming exciting new glam bands to tour the country together because i think that 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 would just make people go crazy and and tell say like this style of music is here let's keep this going and not necessarily rely on the past but it's it's tough to do i would love to be on a tour with uh with a modern metal band maybe a pop punk band something like that something different that you wouldn't expect yeah speaking of that i mean i don't know why i'm drawing a blank on that name but that's the first show i ever saw (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's the i can't remember what it was <laughs> the red white and booze tour i can't remember but i yeah they said that that was that was one of the you know the highest grossing tours and that it, they just kept going and adding more dates and i go i think that the midnight devils could do that i could i think we could enlist some some other bands to to be a part of this and if somebody could put it together right it could be unstoppable Kind of going back a bit, you know, the first time we interviewed you guys, you were still doing 3D in your face and where, you know, you're playing bass and you would sing Memphis Smile Alive, but now you're the front man. Several years into this, how's that transition been where you're doing bass and vocals at the same time? Is it like, does it feel totally natural now? Yeah, it does. It, it feels like uh, I have come full circle almost to where I was nervous to sing and play bass at the same time. I wasn't the front man. 
And then it kind of got shoved on me that, okay, we don't, we're going to be a three piece. You're going to be the front man. I was like, okay, I got to rethink everything now. And now it's to the point where I, I, I'm pushing all of my boundaries every night on stage and, and trying to, to lead this crowd and lead this audience. And I keep thinking like, okay, what can I do to make this bigger, better, grander? And uh, I, I love it with 3d in your face. I felt like we were kind of held down and we, we weren't the, the guys calling the shots to where now the Midnight Devils is you got three guys that kind of we, we know each other so well that it, it nothing really surprises us. And we, we kind of get up there and, and it's just a free for all. And, and the, just that once the, the dust settles, you hope everything went well and you just you love the crowd. Once the crowd gets thumping. Man, uh, there's no better feeling than being kind of that ringleader and the guy that's, that's just stirring that crowd up. And I don't take that lightly. It's something I'm very proud of and that I've worked really, really hard on. And it, being a singer is a whole different ball game than, than just being a bass player. You got to worry about your voice. You can't go out and party. You got to go home, or go to the hotel and drink tea and make sure you get enough rest. Like it's this whole other thing. So was that a transition in itself? <laughs> it was and a, a cool transition because you, it's, it's like this learning thing, this learning curve where you don't have anybody to teach you how to do it. It's all through trial and error, and you don't want to let your guys down by blowing your voice out. You know, like the tour must go on. So you got to keep, keep kind of, I don't know, like, how do you say, you got to take care of yourself and take care of your instrument. And, and just being a bass player or a drummer or a guitar player, you don't have to worry about that. Being the singer, you're on every night. Even the nights you don't feel like it, you got to get up there and scream your brains out for 90 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever. And, and that really is something that, you got to watch and you watch that in, in the, the time you have off. So, you know, you're up for 45 minutes playing on stage, but then the rest of the night you have to keep drinking water and make sure you, that you're not out till six in the morning because we got to drive. Like it's this whole other thing. And then you're kind of the, the front man and the voice of the band. So really like step up to the plate and be that incredible front man, be that, that, that singer that, that you saw, be that Paul Stanley. How do you get there? It's, it's just the hardest work ever. Same, same within the studio. It, it's the same exact thing. Like we know what we wanted it to sound like. Go out and get that. Did you? I mean, did you also have a transition when it comes to like preparing for the show? Because now you got to like worry about your voice as far as warm ups or anything like that. Yeah, yep. It's warm ups every night. Uh, drink just drinking tons of water and having enough time to mentally focus and mentally prepare. And I, that's the cool thing is, is being a singer. You, we kind of like relate to, so where we're at with Steve Summers, like him and I were like very bonded, very close. And we would hang out a lot. Same with uh, Guy Griffin from the choir boys. Like we had that unspoken bond as the singers, as the front man, as the, the guy that everybody's kind of looking at to lead the, the show. And that, that's a huge thing. And it's a lot of pressure. And it's a different frame of mind than just being the bass player or just being the drummer or anything like that. You're like you're you're out front on that island, sink or swim. You got to lead the show, and it's got to be good every single night. Right on, man. Well, I appreciate you taking some time with me today, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys again at Rocklahoma this year. Yeah, definitely. We should uh, we should hook up. I think we're playing Sunday night, okay. one of the the closing acts Sunday night. But we'll be in. I want to say Saturday afternoon. Uh, to kind of start hanging out and doing press and and uh, meeting all our friends, man. We haven't seen our friends in three years, you know. Right. Yeah, I'm it's out there camping great. in the same spot, so yeah. I'd oh, perfect. Love to hang out with you guys. Absolutely, man. It's definitely on.
I'll get you a new co- a, a signed copy of the new record and everything. So it, it'll it'll be perfect. Man, I appreciate it. Also, Let's pray for no pray for no tornadoes. Although it happens <laughs> for <year>. sure. <laughs> it just hit me. Blood, sweat, and beers was the name of that tour. Blood, sweat, and beers. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was the whole. That was my whole goal, man. If we could put something like this together with new, exciting, up and coming bands, there's no stopping us. Hell yeah! Right on, man. Well, absolutely. I'll see you here in like three weeks. All right, buddy. Sounds great. Thank you so much for uh, for for taking the time to talk to me. There you go, Sam Spade Morris from the Midnight Devils. A huge thank you to Barbara from RSN Entertainment for helping put that together, and of course, a massive thank you to Sam for returning to the podcast once again. Like I said earlier, it's been way too long, five years. It's just weird to think about on a personal level that there's guests now that haven't been on here in five years, you know, because this podcast has now been going on for over seven years. We crossed the seven-year milestone in May. So we're nearing, I guess, seven and a half years. That's pretty crazy. I'm happy to be here and still doing it and having guests like Sam coming back on. So once again... Roadhouse Stage at Rocklahoma this Sunday, 2.30 p.m., The Midnight Devils. But like he said at the end of that interview, they'll be out there Saturday. So if you see them walking around the grounds or you see them out in the campgrounds, hit them up and hang out. Those three guys know how to party. I promise you that. All right. DEB Concerts. Since Doug has been promoting shows now for, I guess, what, six? I think it's six years. Because if I remember right, Doug could, could, could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he started whenever he stepped in and helped at Streets Gone Wild in Tulsa. Whenever the promoter from that, that's a long story I'm not going to get into, but when the promoter from that bailed out, he stepped in and helped Tom keep it afloat, keep it going. And then they started working together at the Ideal Ballroom bringing shows and Doug brought in all kinds of bands to the ideal ballroom that were just, you know, one after another, it just kind of blew my mind. Cause you know, there there's bands that have been here before, you know, like LA guns or warrant or winger or whoever bands I love, but then there's bands that I love that you would never expect to see in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like Saxon or last in line or junkyard, you know, that, those three alone wouldn't be enough for me to, you know, crown Doug promoter of the year. And those were in different years, actually. But anyway, lots of great shows there. And then he moved moved into the arena game a couple years ago, right before the pandemic with Snoop Dogg and Nelly. And then earlier this year brought back Snoop Dogg, but this time with Ice Cube. I mean, how amazing is that? Two nights in a row, both sold out. And then... He had, earlier this year, had the Metal Tour of the Year come through, Megadeth, Lamb of God, and Trivium. Excuse me, Trivium was not on that show. In Flames was, Trivium did not play that show because they're coming here with Iron Maiden. Here in just, man, that's under three weeks. That's crazy as well. But the point is, Doug's been kicking ass, bringing in lots of great shows. And then now we've got the Roadhouse Stage at Rocklahoma that he books every year. So everything you see on the Roadhouse stage is per- handpicked and personally booked by Doug Burgess. He talks about that coming up. There's no, hey, let's work together with AEG, see what we can do. They give him complete control, which is an amazing thing in this day and age. 
I don't know, you know, a lot of people might not be familiar with a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but for someone to not be an employee of a promotion company, you know, or a major promoter like AEG, to be given the opportunity to entirely book the stage without any outside input is a pretty amazing thing. So kudos to Doug for being able to do this and bringing it together for us. So let's jump into this and hear what Doug has to say. I saw you guys are out there today. You got the stage set up and everything? Yeah, it's all set up. Yep, ready to go. Cool, cool. I guess the main question would be, is there any changes to the roadhouse area that fans could expect or is it kind of similar to last 2021 um let's see uh the stage is long the not the stage the uh, tent the tent is longer um i don't think there's any major i don't think there's any major changes over there um to think of no not really okay <clears throat> well i noticed with the like the time slots it looks like this is kind of the first year we're the times aren't staggered between your stage and the the other second stage. So, I mean, are you do you like that kind of setup like that? Your stage is mainly early, and then the second stage starts later than it did before. I think. Yeah, I haven't looked at the schedule, on, you know. Um, so I'm just I'm just now finding out. But I I like that better. Yeah, I don't like it going back and forth. Yeah, you know, you have sound check. So, so the pre-party night you've got, it looks pretty stacked with those four bands. I mean, that lineup's pretty strong. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, have, have you seen Fan yeah, Halo before yeah, or I just like video-wise? No, I, yeah, I've never seen them live. I've just seen their videos. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it looks like that's going to be a lot of fun. Between last year and this year, like the headliners of each day, you had like a few of the bands from the eighties era. And then you had puddle of mud and this year you've got lit. Is that kind of something you're going to yeah. continue to do, you know, kind of like one more modern retro band. And then the, the eighties style that you'd kind of stuck with. Yeah. That's what I did last year. Yeah. I think that's what I'm going to keep doing is, uh, eighties yeah, stuff, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and a nineties band on, on Sunday. Yeah. That puddle of mud. That was, that was, <laughs> that was really cool. Watching those people, you know, uh, crowd surf, that was that, that was pretty neat. Yeah, I was shocked at how packed it was. I got over there and got to see part of that show. I was shocked at how packed it was. Me too. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say that when this lineup was first released, the artist I was most excited about seeing was Doro. So I was kind of bummed to see that, you know, changed. But Slaughter's an amazing replacement and they're always great. Was that an easy transition? Does that did you already have some? Did you already have like a band like that on standby, or how did that process go? Like getting that worked out as quickly as you did? No, I didn't have anybody on on standby. You know, we we heard from the booking agent, Doro's out. She can't get in the country because of you know uh, immigration stuff, you know visa uh, problems or something. And no, I I just had to go looking uh, through booking agents. You know who booked the agent stuff. Sent out the sent the radar out, you know, right then put the feelers out right away, and and uh, they just started coming back to me, you know, right away, and I just had my choice. I had my choice between uh, three or four artists. 
on the other bands, like the independent bands and everything you got in there under the headliners? How many submissions did you end up getting this year? I had more submissions uh, this year than than you know the last well ever. Um, yeah, I was bombarded by sub submissions this year. It was uh, it was pretty crazy. I get mostly industrial emo screamo bands, <laughs> submit, you know, submitting. Right. And everybody should not should know by now. I'm not into that. Right. <laughs> was it the same process? Because I think last time you told me that you like listened to every single one you got. Were you able to do that again, or you have like a group of people that are doing it with you? No, I always do it by myself. And um, yeah, I I listen to every one of them. You know, every and whenever I come across one that I like, you know, I write it down, uh, you know, to keep track. And, and like I said, a while ago, I go through them pretty quickly because I eliminate, I, I eliminate bands very quickly. It only takes me like 30 seconds to hear a song. And, and I know if I'm, if it's a band that I want or not, you know? Right. Um, but really I don't, I, I don't, I don't get a whole lot of bands that, that I, that I like that I have to turn down. You know, I really, there's really quite a bit of room for the bands that I like. That's the problem I had this year. I had a lot of submissions, but, but there were so few that of the bands that I liked. Well, yeah, I guess that's a good uh, thing for people to hear if they're not submitting for some reason. And they're like a, you know, a hard rock band and they're not screamo or something that, they should submit their stuff next year, you know? Yeah. And it's not like the, that the bands, you know, that I, that I hear, you know, are, are, are bad bands, you know, they sound like crap. That's not the case. It's just not my style. So I just, you know, have to find bands that, that fit my style. Right. Well, when it comes to that, or I think I asked you this before, but I can't remember you have 100% control over it. Like to where like, the promoter doesn't say, you know, give you any input on like, Hey, we want something like this in there. I have 100% control over every band on my stage, uh, unpaid bands and the headliners. That's, that's one thing that's very cool about my stage. They, they give me 100% freedom on it. So on the headliners, is that, do they give you a budget or is that something you deal with personally? No, I deal with it personally. Okay. Kind of now this, is this the third year where you're, because I know you were sponsoring the stage before, but this is the third year that you're booking, right? I believe so. I think oh. this. Yeah, I think it's the third year. Yeah. So is it getting easier as it goes? That kind of thing. Because I know you're promoting shows all the time, but you know, a festival kind of brings a different aspect to it. Yeah, it's pretty easy, you know, because um, you know the booking agents that that I know, you know, have a, a relationship with. They know that the festival's coming up and they know I'm going to need somebody and they start reaching out, uh, beforehand. And, uh, so it's pretty easy. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a pretty small pool of bands that I had to choose from, you know, who are active, who, who, you know, are within my budget, um, and you know, who, who are available. You know, that's the main thing is, you know, if there's a band that I want and they're not available, that gets frustrating, you know? Well, when, you look at the lineup as a whole. Is there any bands on the other stages that you're looking forward to seeing? Well, I'm a Megadeth fan. You know, I right. uh, I booked them earlier in the year. Uh, 
yeah, looking forward to seeing them. Evanescence, I've never seen them. Um, I think that would be, you know, a good one. Um, uh, Cedar's always good. Um, Five Finger is, is okay, yeah. <laughs> I've just seen them a couple other times before. Yeah. But, yeah, probably just those. The rest of them, there, there's several bands in there I've never, I've never seen. Like what? What's one of Bad Wolves? Something like that. I've never seen them. I don't know a whole lot about them. Um, several bands that that are on the bill that I don't I don't know at all. You know. Right. It's weird how quickly this kind of changed. I think because I was looking at lineups from just a few years ago, and it seems drastically different outside of the headliners. Yeah, yeah. it's getting. You know, yeah, it's getting tougher to to, to book to book bands. You know, um, there's a lot of game playing in this industry, you know, um, you know, with, with, with booking bands, you know, when you're, you know, um, you know, a lot of people don't know about it, but you know, the, you know, these guys, you know, management, you know, Rockahoma management and AEG, they went after, they went, went after bigger bands than what you're seeing on the, on the, uh, on the lineup. Right. You know, they went after, I'm not going to name names, but they went after some very big, very big names and just couldn't get it done for, for one reason or the other. You know, you know, they try, you know, they try to get bigger bands and just sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't, you know? Yeah. From your standpoint, shifting away from Rockland a little bit, you just had the poison show last week sold out and everything. I'm sure that felt great after waiting on that thing for two years. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been waiting on that one for a long time. Yeah. That was, that was a good show sold out, a sold out lower bowl show. It's not, we didn't sell out the entire arena, just the lower bowl. Um, it, it was, yeah, it was a great feeling, you know, you know, uh, LA guns went on at seven twenty, and they had a lot of people, you know, you know, a lot of times, you know, the third band, you know, the first band, first of a third bill, usually go you know you go in there and there's not a whole lot of people for them to play to but this wasn't the case i mean they you know they only had a 30 30 minute set 15 minutes into their set it was the arena was pretty full and that was uh that was really cool you know do you have other shows you're working on for the bok or you like taking a hiatus on that right now or well well i'm not taking a hiatus but we just we're just not working on anything don't have anything coming up or uh any opportunities right now no opportunities coming my way right now. And with Rockahoma coming up, it's just fine with me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Once the, you know, Rockahoma clears out and everything, are you still kind of sticking to the arena thing? Or are you looking at doing other stuff like in smaller places, if it's available, like you did with IDO? Yeah, I am looking at other places. Um, I can't, can't say where, um, right now I am. Yeah. I want to do some smaller shows. Um, you know, I have the Cox Business Center uh, available to me. Uh, the, it's the same management group as the BOK Center. But there's, you know, they have three rooms in there. You know, they have a room like a 1,000 capacity. They have one, you know, like 25, you know, like 2,000 to 3,500. They have like three rooms in there. But, but the smallest one they have is a 1,000 cap. And uh, that's a little bit too big for some of my 80s and 90s uh, bands that I like. You know, like to book, so I'm looking at 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 a. I'm working on some smaller a smaller venue right now, but I can't say anything about it right now. 
outside of that, I mean, we're just once we're Oklahoma ends, it's just kind of a wait and see game. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Something comes, you know, I get an opportunity, a band comes along or something, you know, um, then, then, you know, I'll, I'll certainly look at it, but yeah, there's just a little, little gap in between shows right now. Gotcha. All right, man. Well, looking forward to seeing you here in a few days and appreciate you joining me. It's always a pleasure. You bet, Trent. Appreciate it. There you go. Doug Burgess of DEB Concerts. Huge thank you to Doug for returning to the podcast to talk there just a little bit about Rocklahoma 2022. Always good talking to Doug. And I'm happy for what he's been able to do at Rocklahoma and, of course, everything he's doing in the Tulsa area as well when it comes to bringing in some great shows. So looking forward to that continuing here in the coming years. Something of note, when I was running through the bands earlier, I just noticed that I completely missed First Strike. They're playing Rocklahoma for, I believe, the 10th time. And I've seen them several of those times. Fantastic band that has been around for a long-ass time, since, I believe, the late 80s. You know, they had a a hiatus in there, but they're back together. Their good friend Mike DiPetrillo has been the drummer for them for quite a while now. So there's another one to look forward to. Also about, I believe it's 10 bands on the bill this year, have been on... Actually, 11. I forgot enough's enough. No. 12, because I forgot One Night Stand. (laughs) 12 bands have been represented on this podcast with members. Some of them have had multiple members, like Megadeth. There's been three members of Megadeth throughout the years on this podcast. But like I said, uh, Skillet, Shinedown, Bad Wolves have all been represented on here. Enough's Enough, Slaughter, One Night Stand, The Normandies. First Strike, the Midnight Devils, of course, and there's a few others I can't think of off the top of my head, but it's always fun to, to see these bands. I, you know, I looked forward to Blue Red Rock Fest because I'm going to be there the week after this, and that show has a crazy amount of bands on it, you know, which I know a lot of people love, but the flip side of that is that you, there's stages playing at the same time, so you're, you're always going to miss something that you want to see, so that's the only downfall of that. But I looked at that, and I think it was 21. 21 of the bands on that bill have been represented on the Thunder Underground podcast. So, loving all this stuff that's going on. So, check out any previous episode of this podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. There's 355 before this one. We just recently had on guys like Ty Tabor of King's X, who has a brand new album coming out this week. I believe it's this Friday, while we're at Rocklahoma. The new King's X album, the first album in like eight years. Fucking great. Can't wait to hear that. We also recently had on James Durbin, who was the vocalist of Quiet Riot for a while. He's also got a new band called Clean Break. We've had on guys like D. Snyder of Twisted Sister, a Rocklahoma alumni, multiple times. We've had on Gene Simmons of Kiss, Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses, Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio, Frank Hannon of Tesla has been on here multiple times. Brian Wheat of Tesla has also been on here. We've had on guys from Crozier Conformity, Prong, Typo Negative, Crowbar. We've had on guys from Buck Cherry. Just dig through it. TheThunderUnderground.com. You can listen there. You can find all the socials there. 
follow on all the socials, click like, subscribe, wherever you're listening to this right now, subscribe or follow so you don't miss future episodes. We've got one coming up with Kenneth Bryan, a great roots, roots rock guy out of the California area, originally from Florida. This dude's got some great music. You know, he delves into, you know, blues, southern rock, country, all kinds of stuff. So looking forward to hear that one. I've also got one with Jeff Buner. He's the vocalist for The Loyal Order. Brandon Cook from The Loyal Order has been on here before as well. He's also the guitarist for Black and Blue. Lots of tons of Rocklahoma alumni have been on here from like Warrant. And a huge ass long list. So just dig back through it all. Appreciate you listening right now. And I know this episode's getting lengthy. So if you're out at Rocklahoma, come find me. I camp in the VIP section on row A. Got a big banner over there. Can't miss it. If you see me driving around, hit me up. I've got guitar picks. I've got koozies. I've got shot glasses. I've got a few t-shirts left. I need to place a new order. Got stickers. So, there you go. Hit me up if you see me out there. Alright, once again, a huge thank you to Med Farm, Sunset Tattoo, Doug Burgess and DEB Concerts, and Sam of the Midnight Devils. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground, y'all.